Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mount Helena Community Church. How are we today? Would you turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, please? Going to unpack some of that today. Uh, before I dive into uh, the scripture today, a couple of logistical things to mention. Um, we've had an opening out for an administrative assistant. I've had a number of resumes turned at the office. I appreciate that. Today's the last day for you to do that. And uh, we'll be looking through those this week. So I appreciate those of you who have um, submitted a resume for that. Um, yeah, let's pray. Father, we just invite you to move amongst us today in power. Lord, that your spirit would be tilling the soil of our hearts as we look at your word, look at your character, look at your intentions for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to receive what's on your heart today. Father, I pray that you'd also help me to articulate, Lord, what you put in my heart to give today. And Father, we just trust you with that. I would pray your kingdom come here today, Lord. Lead us into each one as individuals into deeper, more passionate, and fruitful relationship with you. Father, I pray that today your scripture would go out and do as you send it to do. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Over the last few weeks, we have been talking about uh, values and what are values. Values are uh, they, they really shape culture. The things that you really put value into, you end up, uh, they end up manifesting themselves in the form of culture amongst you. I'm not talking about um, theological values. We have a whole system of beliefs, uh, lots of them, and lots of detail in all of that. Uh, but really, but what we're, we're really talking about is what are the values we draw out of that, that that affect our everyday behavior and the way we treat one another and the type of culture that we're trying to form uh, as a part of the body of Christ right here at Mount Helena Community Church. And it's really important that we talk about values because uh, whether you intend or, or whether you're intentional about building culture or not, you will build a culture. And so we want to be intentional about how we treat one another and how we conduct ourselves and, and how we relate to God. There's got to be intentionality there or uh, humanity will just take its own course and... and uh, Sometimes that's not particularly helpful. We want to have a healthy culture because ultimately what we believe God has called us to do is to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all people. He's given us something to do when he left and that will continue until the, he returns. And that requires effort on our part. We invest in the kingdom of God and we invest in other people's lives. And so we have to be thoughtful about how we go about doing that. How we build the kingdom. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I probably haven't shared much of the background about you know what, why we're doing what we're doing, but you know we, we really to make the decision to go to two services is a risk. We've taken a couple risks in the past. Of course, uh, Brian and the team before me took risk in putting me in as a senior leader of the church, and undoubtedly many of you felt at risk. When that happened, uh, we took risk when we uh, closed the Gateway Center as an event center. It was a risk we took. And mathematically, it didn't make sense. But in our hearts, 
in faith, it made sense to do. We feel like God really called us to do this, to put all of our energy and our effort into the church side of things, and we did, and instantly, virtually instantly, we saw significant momentum and growth when we made that deliberate decision to do that. I was part-time leader of the church for a number of years, and I took a faith risk. I felt like God stirred in, in my own heart to close the business, and after discussion with the elders, a business that I ran, to come in full-time and give all of my time to leading the church. That was a risk. Mathematically, that didn't make sense. But it was something that in our hearts we felt like God called us to do. And from the day we did it, it produced healthy fruit. And there's been momentum. And actually, God has blessed us so much, you guys. And He blesses when we take risks and steps towards fulfilling the call that He has on us as individuals and as a body. And so now we're at a point in time where we're going, okay, the room is full. Our kids' rooms are totally full. Uh, we're we're going to have to make some decisions about what we do in order to, there's a purpose in this, that we fulfill the call of God on us as a church and what we feel like He's sown in us prophetically and what we can see very plainly in His Word that He's called us to do and be. To be a people that invest in the lives of others, disciples that make other disciples, bringing people into the kingdom of God, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, being a resource to the kingdom, whether it be right here in someone's office, or whether it be on the other side of the planet in another nation. God has called us to something that is being projected throughout the earth and has been for a long time. And so, you know, why do we make decisions like this as a church? And, and uh, is because we want to see the mission that God has called us to fulfilled and fruitful. I'm so excited. If I could just, eh, I, I'm going to go there. I, I, if I could just give you a glimpse into my mind, which is also kind of a scary thought, it's a bit like a dysfunctional roller coaster sometimes. It can be a scary ride. But one of the things in my mind that I feel like God has given, not, not just me randomly, individually, but also prophetically throughout the years and previous leadership and teams and to individuals in the church and what we believe the Scripture teaches us, we're called to be fruitful. And something in my heart tells me that, that this is only the beginning of what we're to do. Okay, we look at this room. Look at all the talent and gifting and all the relationships with God and all the experience and all the things God has given each one of you as individuals in this room. And in my mind, what I see down the road, maybe not necessarily ultra-specifically, but this idea that we would be a people that equips and releases all over the place. That we resource the kingdom. And I'm not talking about just about money. I mean, you know, in our involvement with Regions Beyond, which is the network of churches we belong to, uh, the people of the United States have a lot more financial resource than most of the world. And so we find ourselves being able to have a significant impact financially. That's an important part of it to make sure that things happen. But I see us resourcing the kingdom in terms of people. People with gifts. People that have been trained. People with a calling on their life to see churches planted or to come along other side church leaders in other places and see them supported. To be sent out in whatever way that means. You know, that, that whole idea of what is, it, what is an apostle or what does it mean to be apostolic, it is to be sent. And we want to be an apostolic people in the sense that we understand that we are sent. Jesus was the chief apostle. He was sent by the Father, and He sent out the twelve, and He sent the church into the nations, and the church is always sending people out. 
to see this gospel message fulfilled in the world. We're called to be apostolic because Jesus was apostolic. We're called to take the message out. And that's something that I, I hope for us as a church, that as we, you know, we're going to make strategic decisions, we're going to be asking God for things, we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff, but all with the intention that a mission and a calling be fulfilled in the people's lives and in the church itself. You hear what I'm saying? I think it's so important for us to realize, uh, just beat a dead horse with this here, but church is not a meeting we attend on Sunday. It's the congregation of God's people, and it's the mission that they are called to fulfill while they're on the earth. Jesus didn't just call you into his kingdom so that you could fill a seat on a Sunday morning. He called you because he loves you, and he has gifting for you. He has mission for you to accomplish. He has people for you to impact. Things sometimes that we don't even realize. We can, sometimes we can't even comprehend that God could use us. Often, even this morning, praying about being humble and those kind of things, I, I just, I'm struck sometimes. I just wake up, particularly on Sundays, and I'm like, God, are you sure you got the right guy? I don't think I should be preaching today. And we all can feel like that. Is there really a call in my life? Is there really something that God has called me to do and fulfill amongst his people? And to every one of you, according to the scripture, I can say, yes, every one of you has calling and gifting and a part to play in the bigger picture of the kingdom. It reminds me of a story one time. I, I don't want to scare you off, but um, a friend of mine left the church several years ago. And I, man, I was really disappointed about it. I was just you know, you feel that when one of your friends is like, doesn't want to be a part of what you're doing. And what he told me, he said, you just want to work all the time. <laughs> like, yes, we are called to work. There's something we're called to do, not just attend. And so that's, that's a little bit heavy and can be a little bit hard if, if you're not familiar with that kind of language. But I think God called us to action. He called us to action. He called us to have an impact in the world around us. So why are we talking about values? I think it's important for us to reflect on where we're going together and where you're going as an individual and what God values in terms of his people. So Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to start today. I, I, I just want to remind you of a couple of values that I talked about already. And I'm not going to get, I'm probably not going to get through all of this message today. Uh, I'm going to have to pick it up uh, in a couple of weeks. Next week we get to hear from Mrs. Anita Shirley. So we're really looking forward to that. And Anita's going to be teaching us about generosity. And some of you have heard uh, their testimony in the past and some of their story and how God has led them in some things in the area of generosity. But generosity is one of the values we're going to cover, and Anita's going to cover that next week. So we look forward to hearing from her. But I, I have been talking about uh, authenticity. You know, we talked about uh, how we, we want to be what we say we are because God is who he says he is. We talked about uh, commitment. Last week I spoke to you about we're committed because he's committed. We're committed because he's committed. He was so committed that he laid down. His, he was so committed to you. He was so committed to the body of believers that he laid down his life on their behalf. That's how committed God is to us. Even when he didn't have to preserve the world or work out a salvation for, for the sinfulness of creation, he still chose to do so. He's committed to us, and likewise, we're called to be committed. And then Jason talked to us about the value of family and those in-depth relationships. You know, behind the scenes, we, we had hundreds, probably literally hundreds as a staff, hundreds of words and phrases that we felt like summarized the heart of who we are as a group. I mean, 
tons of words, and we're like, how do we narrow, narrow these things down into something that we can communicate to people so they understand what we believe and who we are? And we, so we spent weeks and had some fun and difficult conversations about how to narrow that down into something that we could communicate. And so there's a lot of thought that goes in behind uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about today. But we really felt like it was important to, as we go taking a faith risk, we're going to take a risk. Hopefully, you know, you heard the need for volunteers today. Uh, you know, this isn't, we don't believe in a clergy layperson kind of thing where clergy does ministry and you sit and watch. And we're going to look at that here in a second. Everyone's called to ministry. Everyone. And uh, we want everyone to be engaged and everyone to be activated. And you know what? If, if we're really going to see uh, the, the calling fulfilled, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take everybody being a part owner in what's going on. And not just, uh, not just you, know, there's, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I like your church. I like your church. When they're talking to me, I like your church. I'm like, when's it going to be your church? Not just my church, it's your church. It's ours, it's us. This is us. It's a we, not they, not theirs, not them. It's us. And that's the kind of attitude we want to have when it comes to the kingdom. And we're going to see some of that right now in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 11. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and pick it apart for a little while. Verse 11 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. This is Paul writing... He's talking about Christ. He's talking about how he ascended and gave gifts to men. Uh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until, keyword, until, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, intention, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that passage. You've probably heard me mention it more than once. It is rich with information and understanding and perspective. And I hope to pull some of that out for you today to consider this value that I want to talk about today, which is the value of development. The value of development. That we are always growing. That we are always taking steps towards God. That we are always learning. The scripture uses the word disciple when talking about Christ followers. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. And we are lifelong learners. Always growing. I could, you know, probably you have heard, if you've been in the Christian world any length of time, verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, there's plenty to unpack there. Uh, but really what I want to focus on is not so much that as is the verses that follow. Obviously, God has, Jesus has dispersed himself, his character, his nature, his gifts 
into his people, and there is a purpose for which he has done that. And that's really what I want to look at today. And just to my point of what I said to you a minute ago, to equip the saints. Who are the saints? We are. The saints are God's people. Now, through a couple thousand years of tradition and certain traditions in Christianity, uh, we, that idea of labeling certain people as saints uh, came to be. And so we have like St. Paul, St. Christopher, St. So-and-so uh, that, that are a major part of certain traditions in Christianity. But when the Bible is talking about the saints, it's talking about those that believe. You are the saints. So why, do, why are people gifted? Why is there an equipping going on in the body of Christ? So that you would be equipped. And for what reason? What's that word? To equip the saints for what? Work of the ministry. Who are the ministers? You are. You are the ministers. You are the saints. You are called to a work. We all are. And the reason we do this on Sunday morning, and the reason we look at the Scripture, the reason we're teaching and encouraging and strengthening one another is we're all called to the work of the ministry. Aren't you happy today? You're a minister. You can tell everybody that now. I'm a minister. Because you are, and that would be true. The government might not recognize it, but the Bible does, and that ought to be good enough. And there's a reason why this work is happening. There's a reason why there's ministry. We go on into verse thir- uh, the latter half of verse 12. For building up the body of Christ. When we look back at creation, and we look at the way God created man and what he set into motion in creation, it's really important. He said, subdue the earth, multiply, rule over it. There's been something inherent that we've inherited in our nature as mankind to be moving forward, to be developing, to be producing, to be fruitful, partly for survival, but even after we're at survival level, we go way beyond that, don't we? Look at, our, look at, look at the world we live in. I was just thinking this morning how much the world has changed in the last hundred years. It's insane how much has changed, how fast things are advancing. Why? Because God wove into the soul of mankind that he would see things produced and become fruitful and be built up. And the same is true. Why? Because God's that way. Because God is fruitful. Because God is creative. Because God is into building things. And Jesus said, I will build my church so that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Who is the church? Us. What's he doing? He's building the body of Christ and he's using you and I to do it. You, a minister, to build this body of Christ, to encourage and strengthen the saints for the work of ministry. We are all called to ministry. Now, key word, verse 13, until. What does this communicate? Until. That there's a destination. There's a direction in mind. There's something to be apprehended. Until. I'm going to do something until something else occurs. There's something that I'm reaching out for or I've set my course for. There's an until going on in the body of Christ. There's a goal. There's an objective. And when we stop moving towards the until, we stagnate. We die. We're not fulfilling the things that God wants us to do while we're here. Until we all attain the unity of the faith. I don't even know what that means. 
and the unity of the faith. Seems like it's probably a ways down the road. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, always growing in our knowledge about God, always working towards unity, to mature manhood. It's not necessarily physically, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, here's the thing. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. We've been talking the last few weeks about the idea that, that God is ultimate. And when we look at the character of God and who he is and we emulate that, that that's what we want to do. We want to be emulating his character. And so we set our sights on the ultimate, who is God and his character. The fullness of the stature of Christ. There's a fullness in who Christ is. He's the head of the church. He is God. And out of his character, we derive our understanding of right and wrong and good. What is good? And sin, by definition, is what pulls us out of alignment. You sick of hearing that yet? Sin is being out of alignment, to miss the mark. And so if God is ultimate and we're shooting for something else, we're out of alignment with God, that's really what the root of the idea of sin is, that we're out of alignment. What do we want to do? We want to bring ourselves into alignment with God and set our sights on him and grow up into him, into that fullness of who he is. All this idea that you and I are supposed to be growing. Grow up, that we grow up. Not like when you were a eight-year-old and some older kid picking on you in class, like, oh, grow up. <laughs> Whenever I say that, I think that, like the condescending sort of, oh, you need to grow up. But the scripture does say that we do need to grow up in our faith, in our relationship with God. And we need to be moving towards him. The idea of movement is so important. I hope you feel a little uncomfortable today. Because we should be moving. And sometimes, you know, you get to the end of the year and you're making your New Year's resolutions. And it's like, if you reflect back on the last season of your life and you go, did I grow at all? Did I change at all? Am I doing anything different? Am I closer to God? Is anything different about who I am and my maturity in God? And like some years, yeah, it was a great year. I felt like God advanced. And other years, I'm like, eh, you probably need to make some adjustments. Why? Because I'm called to grow up. I'm called to develop. I'm called to become mature. I'm called to be a minister of the gospel like all of us are. And the scripture, the word of God is challenging us in this letter that Paul wrote, to grow up. And so we all are on this journey of development. We have to value personal development. We have to value corporate development. We have to value each other's development. That's why we want to build community. Our mission statement, build community, live the mission. That's why we got to build community, because that's what we're doing. We're building towards Christ. In your calling, in my calling, in ours together, even in our community and, and who we are building towards Him. Knowledge of the Son of God, mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that, oh, there's a reason why we're doing this. You know, oftentimes we, we, we sometimes miss those little words when we're reading the Scripture that actually tell us a lot. Until, oh yeah, there's an until. So that, oh yeah, there's a reason. So that, what? We may no longer be children. 
So Paul's using the analogy of adulthood and childhood, and he's saying we need to go go beyond childhood. We can't just be children in our faith. We're called to grow up. And what happens when you're a child in the spirit, in the faith, in what Paul is talking about? If we're children, we're going to be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Okay, We are being challenged all the time in the area of doctrine. For 2,000 years, the church has been establishing doctrine in different ways at different times and different councils and where they had to work through different heresies and establish certain things that are still holding true 2,000 years later. But then there are other things that you know, we, we get gain insight and we grow in. But the doctrines are always being challenged. There's always wind of doctrine. Do you know how many books there are out there about faith? You could read for the rest of your life and never get through them. And a lot of that's good stuff. We like to hear other people's opinions and we like to gain different perspectives. But at the end of the day, we need to know what the Scripture says. We need to know how to handle it with maturity. We need to have a well-rounded understanding Otherwise, every time the wind of something comes along, it moves the ship. This direction or that direction. There are fads, doctrinal fads that take place. Church culture fads that take place. And I don't mind riding along with some of those things because they're good. I think God brings some things along to help us along. But at the end of the day, our course is set towards Christ. And we need to remain doctrinally accurate and strong not carried about by every wind and wave of doctrine that comes our way. We can't do that if we're children. I don't want my kids driving the car. One of my kids is about to be driving a car. It scares me. Okay, I'm not going to derail here, but it's scary when you put one of your kids behind the wheel. Why? Experience, maturity, understanding, knowledge. Like, oh, wait, I, I'm not sure I want you driving the car. But sooner or later, they need to drive the car. Sooner or later, they need to learn. They need to grow up into it, don't they? Such a great picture of our relationship with God and our own faith and who we are in Christ, that we would grow up. Human cunning. Here's another one. Why do we want to be mature? So we don't fall prey to certain kinds of human cunning. We, there's probably a million different examples we could come up with about what that would entail. Craftiness, deceitful schemes. I don't think just of people, but we have an enemy without a body as well. There's a lot of deceitfulness out of there. There's a lot of things trying to cause deceit to take place in the body of Christ. But Jesus will build his church, and he's calling us to be mature, and he's calling us to grow up into him who is the head, that we would be reflecting his character and nature and his understanding, and note we would have a relationship with him, that we would be mature. Why? So that through these tests and trials and struggles of life, we would be able to maintain the course towards the king. Because he is ultimate. Rather, rather than what? Rather than all this chaos, rather than being tossed to and fro, rather than being deceived, we're going to speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. As we already mentioned. And then, of course, verse 16 is just a great objective of all of this work. Joined together, the body of Christ, being equipped. When it's working properly, what happens when this is working properly? 
what happens when the body of Christ is growing in maturity and setting its course for uh, the head who is Christ and growing up into that fulfillment. The body grows. It's working properly. It builds itself up in love. God has called us to fruitfulness. That was the mandate He gave us in the very beginning, and it's never went away. Jesus emphasized it in many different ways, that we're called to be fruitful. How do we do that? Well, we see this whole picture of maturity right here. We want to be fruitful. We have to grow in our maturity. How are we doing that? Are we doing that? God's desire for you is that you would continue to advance down that road towards Him. It's like a journey. Growing mature and drawing more near to Him. What happens when we stop growing or stop learning? I think we can look at a lot of examples just in, just in nature. You know, things grow and they stop growing and then they begin to decay and they die and they go away. What about water when it doesn't flow? What about humans when they literally don't move? Exercise. You see that cartoon where the people just ride around in the carts and uh, they're like, is it Wally? I don't know. Where the robots do all the work for them and they never move. I don't even know if they can. It's like a picture of our future. You should watch it. It's highly educational and disturbing. <laughs> but it's a picture of what happens when we stop moving. Literally, we die. We're meant to move. We're meant to journey. We're meant to grow. We're meant to become mature. We're meant to learn and we never stop. Our relationships never stop growing. The healthy ones, anyway. Long as you're you know, in relationship with your children or your spouse, you hopefully will always grow in your relationship with them. And likewise, always grow in your relationship with God. Always growing. There's always more. There is no end. I was listening to a professor of theology the other day talking about this. A guy's like probably in his 70s now, and he goes through the Bible every year reading it. And he says, "All every year I'm finding stuff I didn't know and unpacking a passage of Scripture, and I know God more than I did. And you're talking about a guy who, this is his career, studying this. You, we never stop learning. The Word of God, when God spoke, oh, this is just a powerful picture in my mind, and hopefully it is in yours. When God spoke creation into existence, those words are still ringing today. They're still holding this all together by His will, by His very words. And we can't treat His word as though it gets exhausted. It doesn't. When He spoke it, it's, it's eternal. That's all right. I think that sometimes we need a reality check about whether or not we're praying, whether or not we're reading the Scripture, whether or not we're looking down the road towards maturity and going, what's next for me? What's next, God? What do you want to teach me about you today? How do I draw closer to you today? And when we stop doing that, and we start to stagnate, and we become crusty in our Christianity, we don't want to be that way. We want to keep growing. In Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, 
In other words, don't become mature in evil. You don't want to do that. But in your thinking, be mature. Now, the context of this is the gifts of the Spirit were disorderly and in chaos in the Corinthian church. And Paul's challenging their practices, and he's saying, don't be children in the way you're acting. Be mature in how you use the gifts. Be mature in how you see this stuff demonstrated. Grow up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Good advice, I think. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. What is longing? Some of you are longing for me to finish so you can go have lunch. <laughs> what are we longing for something? Is there a hunger in you for something more of God? Is there a hunger in you to develop further into the calling of God in your life? Is there a hunger in you to grow up a little bit more over this next year? That's what I think gets quiet and dies in us so easily. We lose our passion and our hunger for wanting to grow and wanting to develop. And that's why we have to keep vision in front of us and reading the scripture and contemplating the magnitude of who God is and the magnitude of the calling he's got on the church. And when we catch a glimpse of that vision and that passion, we're motivated to take another step. And that hunger kicks in for some spiritual milk. And not just milk, but that we would grow up into this salvation that we already have. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 5. It's kind of an uncomfortable passage. <clears throat> we have much to say about this, all the previous things he was talking about, the author of Hebrews, but it's hard to explain. It is hard to explain sometimes, isn't it? Some of the things of God. Because you are dull of hearing. Can you imagine somebody saying this to you today? I mean, we're like, we read that, we're like, yeah, that was the olden days. People talked like that. But that's pretty harsh words. If I wrote you an email this week and said, I'm trying to tell you something, but you're dull of hearing. How would you feel about that? You seem pretty optimistic about it. I might try it. See how that goes. <laughs> dull of hearing. He's, he's, he's rebuking. He's like, pay attention to what's being said. You're not listening. I'm trying to cause you to learn something here, and it's hard to understand. Don't be dull of hearing. And then he, he goes on to rebuke them. And he says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to reteach you the basic principles of God's word. Of what? God's word. Of the things God had spoken and taught. He is saying you should be a teacher by now. You should be able to articulate the truth of the Word of God to the people around you. Oh, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? I'm never coming back to hear this guy. You should be a teacher by now. Oh, man, that's a little weighty. You need milk. 
not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is still an infant, inexperienced, listen, in what? Inexperienced in what? In the message of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, there's that picture again, that imagery of constant use, a walking down the road towards God, a growing up process that's always happening, constant use of the Word of God, constant use of our gifts and our relationship with God. By constant use, have trained their sensibilities to distinguish good from evil. Again, I mean, we can get really in line by line and precept by precept here, and every word is deep in this passage. It's very, very rich, the principles that you can draw out of it. To distinguish good and evil. Okay, what happens when we're wielding the Word of God well and we're growing in maturity and relationship with God? We, we learn to use it in such a way that we can dis- our sensibilities are clear and our bi- ability to distinguish good from evil. Remember Ephesians 4, the waves and the wind, the wind of every doctrine, everything trying to rock the boat and shift it this way and shift it that way. But in here it's saying your sensibilities will be trained so that you can distinguish good from evil. Also implying what? That we need to distinguish good from evil. It's part of what we need to do in life because we're constantly being influenced by things and we don't always know which way to go or what to believe or how to understand. But if we're growing in our maturity, in what? The Word of God. That we would grow grow up towards maturity and be able to do that. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. What is words God pushing us to do? To grow up beyond the elementary teachings towards maturity. That by now we would be teachers. That we would be able to wield the word of God well. That we would have our sensibilities sharpened to distinguish and discern. Elementary teachings, you know, we... Kids all started school, elementary school. What does that really mean? It's like beginning. That word that translates into elementary is like the beginning teachings, the foundational ones, the really basic ones that you start out with. So it makes very good sense that they translated that word into elementary because that's the way we would use it in our own education system. Therefore, let's leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Then he gives us a list. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, what? Go on towards maturity. And this we will do if God permits. Strong language. Strong communication of the idea of we need to develop. We need to always be learning. We need to always be growing. We need to grow up even to the point of where how we're learning and growing is turned around and taught to other people. There's a strong, it's really, I don't know if it's just a Montana thing, but there's there's a mindset that like you keep your beliefs to yourself that flies in the face of the Scripture. We are actually to teach one another. Not that you're supposed to go out in a soapbox and yell at anybody. I don't want to see any one of you in the news this week. Okay, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, but you sent me this email that I was dull of hearing. So, 
we are called to grow and then turn and invest. What we, need, we need to develop in our knowledge. Now, I, I know I get a little bit, I'm like, knowledge does not save you in and of itself. And I, I really have an issue with that. I'm, I talk a lot about it. But knowledge is super important. We need to grow in our knowledge. But the information itself is insufficient. It should lead us to relationship with God. Our knowledge is about a relationship. Our knowledge is about a people. Our knowledge is about God and one another. And when we wield that well, it produces fruit. We call that wisdom, right? Good wielding of knowledge. So are we developing a knowledge? Are we studying the Word of God? Are we hearing the teaching of others and absorbing it and being instructed by it and letting it cause us to not become arrogant, but become mature? There's a difference. Do not be conformed to this world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, we could unpack this passage word by word if we wanted. Don't be conformed. What happens when we sit still and do nothing to educate ourselves, to grow, to exercise our faith? We stagnate. We get pushed by the current. It's human nature. We get pushed by the current and we conform because we're not studying the Word of God or we're not praying. Or we're not seeking to grow up into the fullness of who He is. And so we just let the current of culture or society or whatever thing carry us whatever direction. And we end up conforming. But on the other hand, what's the Scripture calling us to do? Be transformed. I want to be transformed. Ugh. I want to grow up. I want to change. I want to... I want to leave some things behind. I want to become a better fill-in-the-blank for yourself. Be transformed. By what? A renewal in the mind. We have the mind of Christ, the Scripture teaches us. God gave us His Spirit that we would be transformed. And that we could go that by what? Testing, we're called to test. Discern, we're called to discern. What is the will of God? We want to know the will of God. How do we do that? We have to grow in our maturity. We have to study the scripture. We have to be in prayer. It's both personal and knowledge-based. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Oh, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depth. So much. It's so deep. It's so rich. The wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and inscrutable His ways. He is ultimate. We, can, we will be pursuing God and the character and nature of God for eternity. That's how deep He is. He's infinite. We are finite. He is infinite. You will not ever completely understand or know. It's hard to grasp, isn't it? That's how deep God is. So there's no reason for us to sit still and stagnate here in this life. Would you stand, please? I'm going to continue talking about the idea of development in a couple of weeks. I have a lot more stuff I'd like to cover, but just not going to get there today. I hope you're provoked a little bit. I hope you still like me too, but I, I really hope you're provoked a little bit. I think we should be uncomfortable with where we are. 
I think there ought to be a little bit of aggravation inside of us. It's like, I want to keep growing. I want to study the Scripture more. I want to know God more. And it's more than just studying the Scripture, and I want to dive into the relationship with God stuff in a couple of weeks. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that all those years ago when you met Moses on the mountain, you were the first one to write your words. You wrote it. It says, written with the finger of God. It was the Ten Commandments. You wrote it. You put it in writing for us. You wrote it in stone. And then you said, I will raise up prophets after this, and they will record my words. And you did that for generations. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, that you actually speak to us. Lord, that we can know your heart, we can know your thoughts, that we can become people who can discern what is your will and walk in that. Because we know there's fruitfulness when we walk in that. We thank you that you've given that to us. Father, I pray today, Lord, that, that these scriptures would, as we prayed in the beginning, would be sown into our hearts like in the soil. Lord, and that they would be good seeds. Lord, that they would sprout up as little seedlings and grow and be noticed in our hearts and in our minds. We would recall that the scripture has gone in and done something in us, provoked us to grow and caused us to be more in awe of you and to love you more. And so, Father, I pray that those words would grow in fruitfulness and cause us to be a people who extend your kingdom on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.